You are listening to the Mindset Forge podcast. I'm Barton Bryan, your host. It is episode 98. It's a solo cast episode. And I'm just going to give you the nuts and bolts tools on how to max out your gym experience so that you can maintain and even build muscle in your 40s and 50s. Let's be clear. This chapter of our life, not easy, right? We're not just going to go to the gym, do some bench press, do some squats, and just start putting on muscle like we might have done in our 20s and 30s. The, uh, the proverbial slide is starting to happen. Our, our hormones, our body doesn't recover quite as well. We have to optimize to maximize our gym workouts, and I'm going to teach you just how to do that. So I've got seven essential concepts that are going to help you build muscle past 40 years old. Now let's talk about our split. Now, there are so many ways to do it in the gym, and I'm not going to tell you one way is the best way, but I'm going to give you a couple of options, and I'm going to tell you why I like them. If you have something that's been working for you, uh, fantastic. You can always stick with that. The principles are still going to apply. We're going to use a seven-day cycle so you can kind of plan your workouts. Now, some people like to get it done during the weekdays and have the weekends off. I'm not like that. I like to have my weekends is oftentimes when I can get up, go to the gym and get more than uh, you know two hours if I need to, to maybe hit some major body parts or just take my time, hit the sauna afterwards and enjoy the whole experience. So you can do it any way you want, but the goal here is we're going to focus on push day, pull day, leg day, and then I'm going to give you two options. So if you're new to getting into strength training and you're just kind of trying to figure out a program that's going to work for you, the first option is just going to be a basic push day, which is chest press, triceps, shoulders, all the pushing upper body muscles. Pull day, which is anything that's rowing, that's pulled down, it's bicep curls, it's the upper body pull muscles. And then leg day, which is obviously going to hit your quads, your hamstrings, your glutes, and your calves. So if you're brand new, here's what I want you to do. Push day, rest. Pull day, rest. Leg day, rest, repeat. Okay. If in those rest days you want to do uh, cardio, yoga, abs, anything like that, totally cool. Not going to affect it. But as far as the strength training, let's just get used to doing push, rest, pull, rest, legs. Okay. If that is new to you. Now, if you've done that type of workout or been doing any type of workout consistently, what I want you to go into is a push, pull, legs, rest, upper, lower, rest. So you're basically doing every body part twice in the week, right? You got all the push muscles, all the pull muscles, the leg muscles, rest completely, then come back and do upper body. So you can do less volume on the, each of the muscle groups because you're doing the entire upper body on that, that fifth day, and then you're doing uh, legs on the sixth day. And we're going to modify what you do on the second leg day from the first leg day. All right, and then you got a full day's rest. So that's putting two rest days into your week, but splitting it up like three on, one off, two on, one off, if you get the idea. So that's your first essential concept, is creating a split that works for you. Now, like traditional bodybuilding splits are a little bit different. They're usually like chest tries, back and bys, sometimes they throw that in and maybe shoulders and legs. Uh, I like to give leg days its own day and I like to split up the upper push versus upper pull. That gives my upper body push muscles like my sh shoulder, my triceps, my chest several days to recover because if I'm doing an upper push day on Monday and I got pull Tuesday, I got legs Wednesday, I got rest Thursday, 
I'm not coming back to push any of those tricep chest and shoulder movements until Friday. That gives me a significant recovery window to make sure that the joint and all the muscles are recovered fully for that next workout. And that's important in the course of the fact that we are not recovering as fast when you get into your 40s and specifically into your 50s. So that's important. Now with the the kind of basic split, we're doing push, rest, pull, rest, uh, legs, rest. And then you can go ahead and repeat that. Uh, or you can just start on Monday again and do push, pull, legs. Uh, that will work. Either one. Uh, if you're doing just those three strength workouts a week, my recommendation is, you know, you got to throw some other stuff in there. You got to do some cardio. You got to do some abs, some core, maybe some yoga. Mix it up a little bit so that you're not just done only working out three days a week. But if you're not used to strength training, just start with push-pull legs. Boom. All right. Number two, we're going to pick a compound movement for each of the primary movements uh, so that you can make sure you're getting like a full power strength movement uh, when you're starting out. So in horizontal push, which would be chest, right? That's obviously some sort of a chest press. I'm always going to tell people, especially in their 40s and 50s, I recommend a 30 degree incline, whether it's dumbbells or barbells, it is just a little bit easier on the shoulder. And if you're not somebody who's been doing bench press your whole life or knows that that's really a strong movement for you, it's not really worth trying to like develop that shoulder stability because there's just a lot going on in the rotator cuff and in the lats and how the shoulders kind of sit back and support that. You can do a 30 degree incline, which is not a high incline. If that's you know zero degrees, you go up to about 30 degrees and then you're pressing and with a little bit of upper chest, middle chest, and it's a lot easier on your shoulders and you're going to get maximum chest involvement, which is going to allow you to build muscle, especially in that upper middle chest, which is what looks so good when you're wearing a, a tight t-shirt. So if you're aesthetically focused on looking good, bam, that's going to give you your best bang for your buck. So my recommendation on that is some sort of a 30 degree incline press, whether it's barbell or dumbbell, uh, but you can also do flat press, dumbbells or barbells and chest dips, like lower dips. That's a great one to really hit the lower abs. Also very good for developing that entire like, chest, triceps and shoulders as they work together in a decline movement. So all those are good compound movements. Don't do them all, right? Pick one for your first push day. So what I'm recommending here is like, Hey, let's do dumbbell incline four or five sets day on your first push day. And then on the second upper body day, maybe you're doing some flat press or some dips, right? We're still going to do more chest work, but that's going to be our compound movement for that day. All right. Now, if you've been doing it a while and you're just looking for some ideas, uh, just maybe change it up. If you've been doing one movement for a long time, change it up, make that first workout exercise something different than what you're used to. Uh, and if you've been doing a lot of flat bench or dumbbell press, change it to incline, just switch them up, do your incline first, do flat later, or change it up and even to do some flies after the incline. Okay, so horizontal pull, maybe bent over rows, maybe T-bar rows, dumbbell with the one arm row is a good compound movement. Pick one of those for your major movement during pull day, right? Now, I, I mentioned horizontal pull. So you've got two major pulls. You've got the horizontal pull uh, and you've got the vertical pull down. So I'm going to differentiate between the two because I want to make sure you have a compound movement for both. So in horizontal row, we're talking about barbell bent row, dumbbell one-arm row, or a T-bar style row. 
Uh, you can even put your chest into an incline, hang out off the side and do some chest-supported dumbbell rows. That's another great one, especially if you've got some low back issues. Then vertical push, that's your shoulder press, right? We want to press upwards. So that's shoulder press. Don't feel like you have to have this weight way back here, elbows kind of way behind you. Uh, if it feels more comfortable to get dumbbells and put them slightly in front, that's even a little bit easier on the shoulder and uh, the position of it. You can definitely get some good work in the shoulder press doing that. But if you, if you enjoy being out here or want to use a barbell, obviously you have to be out here. But I always recommend bringing it into the front of your, over the front of your chest and then press straight up versus behind your head. Unless you have an incredible range of motion and mobility in your shoulders, behind the head is probably not the right move for you, right? Again, there are exceptions, but in general, especially in our 40s and our shoulder mobility is just not where we've got a lot of tension up here. We don't want to exacerbate that by putting our head forward and bringing our shoulders too far back. And then we could impinge something back there while we're trying to shoulder press. Okay, then vertical pull. That's going to be a pull-up, a chin-up reverse grip. You could do some sort of a wide pull-down, neutral grip pull-down, even a close grip pull to anything that incorporates the entire body pulling down, whether that's a pull up with the body or a pull down with a bar. Fantastic. My recommendation on that, and we'll go into kind of how to maximize it more later, though, is don't overdo the weight, right? If you're somebody who can knock out a lot of pull-ups, great. Do pull-ups. It's a great exercise. But if you're really struggling with just getting two or three with perfect form, pull-ups are probably not yet right for you because you're going to end up just overcompensating with other muscles. That's not going to maximize your strength in the back that we want to feel. Okay. So uh, vertical pull, that's our pull up. That's our lat pull down. And that is also our chin ups. Now let's go to legs. So we got squats. Now I've done a lot of videos on Zerser squats. If you haven't seen that, uh, check probably right up here or there. You can probably see the link right now, but check um, one of my videos on why I love Zerser squats, how to do them, and potentially add them in, especially if you got low back issues or, or it, it is uncomfortable to put a lot of weight on your back for a back squat. Uh, it's a front-loaded squat, but you're carrying that weight right there with a pad so you're not bruising your, your arms, but you're holding them right there, and it allows you to get super deep and develops a lot of core strength, and it's a great exercise. I literally did it this morning. And my gosh, my glutes, my quads, my hand, everything was working because I was going deep way below 90 degrees because of that front-loaded posture that allows you to really get into those deep hip area and, and maximize the whole movement. Whereas if I put weight on my back because I'm so tall, I would have to hinge forward. My butt would be back. I'd have to do a lot of stuff just to get myself to 90 degrees. So this is a great way to not exacerbate low back pain or put a bunch of weight on your neck and still maximize a squat. All right, so squats, search squats, front squats. If you're a back squat king and that's your thing and you rock it, hey, no problem, go for it, keep it up. But again, as we get older, putting a ton of weight across the back, it can start to take its toll, whether it's on lower back or upper back neck uh, mobility and things like that. So you just have to be aware of that. And if that becomes something that, that seems to be nagging you, then go ahead and just you know switch to either front or zersher squat. All right, let's talk about lunges and Bulgarian split squats. A fundamental movement is a lunge, that one-legged knee bend. Uh, there's two ways to do it. You can do walking lunges. You can do step-back lunges. Uh, either way, you're, you're really getting the, the quad, glute, and hamstring, the entire leg, plus there's that 
power and stability that comes from really having all the weight of the of your you know body on one leg plus you might be loading with a bar or some dumbbells all that stuff can maximize the growth and stability of that leg so i highly recommend lunges and of course a lot of people do bulgarian split squats the back leg is up on a bench so that you're really loading all the weight in that front leg which just turns on the glute and hamstring even more right so if lunges are kind of half quad half hamstring and glute I would say Bulgarian split squat is more like 75% glute hamstring and maybe 25% quad. All right, so that's a great one. And then finally, Romanian deadlift or traditional deadlifts for that posterior chain, glute, hamstring, low back. Um, man, you can't beat it. You can use a hex bar, a barbell, dumbbells. Uh, there's plenty of ways to do it. Just be careful anytime you're obviously bending at the hips. You know, low back might get angry from that. So you just got to be mindful of your form, taking it slow. I'm a big fan of eccentric movement, three seconds down, one second to get back up. I got videos on that too, so check those out if you'd like. But the goal here is really not to see like, hey, how much can I actually deadlift at 45 years old? Uh, you know, those days are kind of over and nobody cares how much you deadlift, right? Maybe your bros do, but most people don't care. It's really about getting the maximum results out of it, but we got to be good at hinging because that is the butt. That's the hamstring. That's that posterior chain. And if we lose strength in the posterior chain, that's when things start becoming harder, right? We lose mobility, we lose power, and we become kind of fragile because our posterior chain is not where it should be. All right. So those are our kind of compound movement patterns. You got to pick one. Now you can go to the show notes. This stuff is going to be listed. You can kind of make your decisions from there. Uh, next up is incorporating an isolation exercise to build muscle and increase the volume in your work without, you know, overloading the joint. So a great example for, for chest would be chest flies, cable flies, um, pec deck, anything like that. Even push-ups as a kind of a burnout exercise could be great. Uh, you know, we, if we've done the hot, heavy incline dumbbell press, you know, it'd be next thing to do, maybe some sort of a flying movement, uh, something like that to help you kind of continue to maximize your strength, uh, get more volume in the chest workout, uh, but not overload it again with another exercise that's, that's super compound and challenging. So that would be a good one uh, for back straight arm pull downs where I'm grabbing a cable and pulling down towards my thighs. Uh, that's a great one. You might grab a cable here at the top and pull all the way down. You're really activating the lats and there's almost no bicep work. You're actually working a little bit of triceps, but the majority of this is happening from the lats. A pullover would be another example of that, but it's a lot more difficult on the joint to grab a, a weight and pull it behind you like that because you're putting a lot of stress at the part of the movement that we're weakest in, which is just all the way back here. So it's very safe to do a straight arm pull down because you're pulling and it gets harder as you pull down, but that's where we're strongest. So highly recommend that. Another one would be face pulls, grabbing a rope with the, uh, the cable and just pulling up towards your eyeballs, elbows high, just maximizing the upper back, the rear delts, and those upper trap muscles. Really squeezing, holding, get that strength and stability of that upper back to kind of polish off the entire backside. All right, for, uh, for quads, leg extensions, right? hamstrings we got leg curls those are obvious ones and for glutes because we've been doing glutes on the bulgarian split squats even squats have glutes in them it would be some sort of a one-legged hip bridge with just our body weight lay across the bench put one heel down lift the other leg in the air and just lift and squeeze so don't neglect the opportunity to do a little bit of uh one-legged glute bridges 
to just maximize the use of your glutes. The other thing would be box step-ups, uh, just stepping up on a box, slowly going down. That's going to activate your glutes, similar to a Bulgarian split squat. All right, so next up is uh, concept number four, fourth essential. So right now you've got your split, you've got compound movements, you've got these, the kind of the isolation movement to, to incorporate with the compound to really get a little more volume into the workout. And then we're going to say, how, do we, how many sets per body part per week? Now, here's my recommendation. The good rule of thumb is somewhere in the 12 to 20. If you're new, 12's your number. If you've been doing this a while and you, you're, you've already been doing 12 to 15, you can push it up towards 20. So what that breaks down to is push date, right? So 12 to 20 reps total for the week. If you're going to do push-pull legs upper lower as your split, then you're going to do 10 to 12 sets on Monday or that first push day. And then you're going to take the second upper body day and do six to eight. Same thing with legs and pull. My recommendation is two or three exercises in the first time you do it and then come back in two more uh, the second day. If you're just doing push-pull legs as a uh, combination for the week, then my recommendation is stick with 12 uh, and then see how the results come from there and then only add volume as you feel like you know, you've done it for several months and now you can add maybe a couple more sets, maybe even take uh, pull downs from three to four sets. Maybe you're taking a one-arm row from three to four sets versus adding a new exercise. So you kind of create some consistency around doing the work. That's my recommendation. With leg day, my recommendation, because you've got glutes, hamstrings, and quads, is you can break that up a little bit. Think posterior chain, hamstrings, and glutes as like, okay, I want to get eight to 12 of that on your day one of leg day and then day two come back get six to eight more sets right same thing with quads whether you're doing uh, zercher squats back squats hack squats whatever type of squats and leg extensions remember and then of course uh, lunges are also included in there you just want to piece together 10 to 12 sets the first time you do it and then when you come back you're going to get another six to eight maybe even 10 sets total of 18 to 20 uh, for your legs, right? So that's the idea. Again, everyone is a little bit different. And depending on if you're kind of new to strength training or you've been doing it a while and you're looking to kind of like take this and change it up a little bit, you kind of have to decide what your recommendations uh, work for you and what your body needs. So everyone's a little different. Uh, so you have to accommodate for that. There isn't a one size fits all approach to any type of strength training. All right. Five re relates to kind of, okay, What's my exertion level? Because here's the thing. If you go to failure on every single thing you do, you have a very high probability that you're going to get injured or start to have some chronic issues with joints or low back. Because when you go to full failure, which means like I'm doing squats and I cannot get that last rep up, I am at complete and total failure. Legs are fried. You have to literally drop the weight, right? you are getting closer and closer to the point of an injury. We call that risk-reward ratio kind of an important factor to think about. Now, when you're in your teens or 20s, even sometimes early 30s, that's not quite as big an issue because we're just so much more uh, flexible and strong and our joints are really young and, and, and healthy and we recover very well. But we get into our late 30s, 40s, and 50s, we really have to be accountable to, okay, I'm going to push myself. I'm going to exert a lot, but I'm not going to go till failure every time, right? So what we use here is what we call 
rate of perceived exertion or RPE, right? When I'm in the gym or when I'm coaching somebody and I want to get them close to failure without actually achieving it. Because what we find happens, and you can, the science really proves this, is if you can get to eight or nine out of 10, which means like you've got a rep, maybe two reps in the tank left, if you really, really, really went for it, you still get results from that. You actually grow from that. Your body will re respond, recover, and adapt to that stimulus, even though you're not there at the bench with all the weight and just and then you, all of a sudden it's like something feels off, like your shoulder just like couldn't do it. And like all of a sudden you have some chronic thing or some nagging injury, right? If you can get to a seven, eight, nine, and then you're like, man, I think I could probably get one more, but I'm going to let it go there. We have to take into consideration the long game. We want to be strong for a very long time. So the way to stay strong is to stay injury free and progress very slowly with a, with a comfort zone around going to total failure, right? Every once in a while, you might be like, you know, on a safe exercise, you're like, okay, I'm going to go and, and see if I can get this last rep. And maybe you get it, maybe you don't. But if you do that too often, nagging injuries, even severe injuries can start showing up, whether that's in squats, deadlifts, chest press, shoulder press, all those types of things. What I recommend is like, Start out in your program and do, go to about eight out of 10. We're talking about maybe having two reps left in the tank. I would stop there most times. Every once in a while, go for it. See if you can get that final rep in as long as the form looks good and your body feels strong. All right, but let's avoid trying to max out getting to failure every time because of the risk reward. I promise you, you will adapt. You will get stronger and you will increase your weights and build muscles. Those are your top five. And those are really the ones that relate to actually in the gym, how to do it and maximize the results. I will tell you just all in all, it's less about how much weight you're using and how you're controlling the weight, how you're moving through that full range of motion, getting mind muscle connection, like focus on quality over quantity. Got two more. These are lifestyles. This is recovery stuff. You got to eat, man. Oh my goodness. You got to eat your body weight in grams of protein a day. Okay. Protein is everything. We got to get this from meat sources, red meat, lean red meat, like a sirloin, tenderloin, things like that. Going to be very high in, in, in protein. Also has uh, natural creatine in there. Okay. Chicken, obviously fish can be good. Uh, whey protein or Greek yogurt, another way to get it. Uh, just find multiple ways, ground turkey, ground chicken, ground beef, all, all those can work, right? We need that protein. All right, I'm 220 pounds. I've got to eat at least 220 grams of protein per day to sustain and potentially build muscle, right? You want to push that a little bit higher, especially if you're uh, really trying to like get a little bit more muscle mass, I would push it, you know, maybe 10% above body weight and grams of protein. So if you're at 200 pounds, maybe you're eating closer to 220 uh, to kind of give your body a surplus of protein to really utilize. All right, that's key. That's quintessential. That's all about recovery and building back, not just the muscle tissue, the connective tissue, um, giving the cells what they need to recover, get stronger and stay healthy. Good Lord. And the final piece of that is number seven. I don't know why it's seventh. It should be first. It's about sleep, 
right? There's this really tough, like, how do I make it work? Like, if you're an entrepreneur or somebody's working their butt off, they're, you've got family, you got all these things, you may not be able to get nine, 10 hours of sleep. And I don't necessarily think that's viable on a day-to-day basis. I always shooting for seven to eight with like, I'm trying to always lean on the side of eight hours a night. Uh, and then on the weekends, I'm shooting for nine. That's kind of where I'm at. I think if you're getting more like six to seven, my recommendation is like week by week, try to add 15 minutes of extra sleep, which usually just means put the phone down, go to bed 15 minutes earlier and wake up at the same time. We're better at the end of the day if we can just shut it all down, don't watch Netflix, just let your body relax, let your body calm down, go take a hot shower, go get into your covers and just try to get to bed 15 minutes earlier each night for a month and just see if you can actually get an hour of sleep extra a night just by modifying your evening schedule. That's one way to do it. All right, but it's key. It's all about hormones are released. Uh, there's so much stuff going on. There's so many things that happens when you sleep that just does not happen when you're awake, right? Including muscle protein synthesis. People that are sleep deprived, there is literally a, a reduction of like up to 18% in terms of how your body is turning the protein into muscle tissue and things like that. So you can actually be missing out on muscle growth and recovery by not sleeping enough. So my recommendation, highest order, seventh, it should be first, but it's sleep well, eat well, and go to the gym, right? Within the context of that, one through five are all about how do you maximize, you know, your time at the gym so that you can kind of max out that aspect of it. But let's hit all of our muscle groups at least once a week twice if we can. Uh, use one of those two splits, either the push-pull legs and that's it for the week or push-pull legs rest, upper, lower, be my two recommendations. There's plenty others out there that are very usable that work, but those are the two that I recommend to people who ask me those questions. All right, hope this is helpful. Drop any information into the comments if you want more information on a specific thing. Check out the description. There's some more uh, links in there. And of course, go to my YouTube channel, the Mindset Forge to find some of those videos specifically on Zerser squats, uh, different movements that'll help you. And if you need some mobility, stretching, uh, activation stuff for shoulders, hips, things like that, I've got that in there too. So search out that stuff and let's make sure you're as educated as possible on working out and getting to that next level of strength, fitness, and living your best chapter in that 40 to 60 range. Thanks for listening to the Mindset Forge podcast.